Welcome to the Productivity Mastery Podcast, presented to you by myself, Stoyan Yankov, Productivity and Performance Coach, Keynote and TEDx Speaker, and co-author of the Perform Methodology, and the book, Perform, The Unsexy Truth About Startup Success. Join me on a journey to discover what some of the world's leading professionals do to be more productive, create peak performing teams, and build successful global companies. New episodes weekly. And now, enjoy today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Productivity Mastery. I'm back to my home base after a week in Malaga, spending time by the beach, 26 degrees Celsius. Uh, it's, it's literally beach weather. But, of course, it's been really productive. I got the chance to spend some time with an uh, uh, acceleration program called Startup Wise Guys, the XR Batch. Spent three days with hardcore training. But, of course, it, when you're in a place like Malaga in Spain, it's going to be a sin not to do some other cool stuff by the beach and all the cool activities. So I'm really, really pumped right now, not because of my Malaga trip, but because of my guest here today. This guy is a legend. He's a veteran podcaster, if I can say so. The founder and host of Beyond the To-Do List. If you enjoy this podcast, you'll definitely enjoy beyond the to-do list so make sure to subscribe that's the first thing but this guy had the chance to talk to some of the legends out there some of the most recognized people in the world of productivity he's super knowledgeable he's super inspiring and he's a no bs person eric welcome to the pot great having you here thank you thank you for having me great to be here so eric let's start let's start uh, from from the base how did you get into podcasting in times when podcasting wasn't what it is today? Yeah, well, I'll give you what I like to call the the podcasting superhero origin story. And so uh, it was the summer of 2005, and I was sitting in a cubicle doing data entry, and I was listening to music through iTunes on my Dell Square Tube TV monitor, and it suddenly pops up and says iTunes has an update, iTunes as it was called back then. And I said, well, that's great. That means I can go take a bathroom break and refresh my coffee. So I did, and I did the cycle, came, sat down, and it was ready. And I looked over to the left to play my music again in the tabs to go to my playlist, and there was this new little tab there on the side, and it said podcasts. So I clicked in and I said, wait, what is this? And I said, wait a second, this is radio shows that download like MP3 files to the computer and I can start and stop them at any time. And it broke my brain because I thought, wow, this is like TiVo. Remember TiVo? TiVo, but for radio shows. And now I don't have to just sit here and listen to music. I can be entertained and educated and so on. And there was, you know, there weren't that many shows out at that time, but man, there were some some good ones and 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 pretty soon to follow a lot of good ones and great ones. And it was just super incredibly interesting. And I also at that moment thought, oh, I'm going to do one of these. And it took a while. I mean, I didn't, I mean, that was summer of 2005. And it wasn't until the beginning of early 2007. But uh, I started being, I was an avid listener. I was listening all the time, mostly at work. And because I didn't have an iPod, this, this saying nothing for the portability of podcasts, let alone being able to download it to a smartphone on the go 
like we can now. It was all download, move it over with a cord to a mobile device that was not cell phone, you know, data powered at all. Um, but yeah, it, it took a while and then eventually got into um, connecting with a bunch of different podcast communities and making friends and guesting on shows, even if I wasn't like doing my own thing at all yet. Uh, just contributing like, hey, call, uh, you know, calling into shows and leaving messages or showing up on shows as they were live recording, things like that. And then uh, 2007, a friend of mine and I, we did a comedy podcast almost daily, every weekday, Monday through Friday. We'd go to his house where it was all just set up already. And uh, we'd record during our lunch hour because we had the same job and the same office. And we'd drive five, 10 minutes to his house, record for half an hour, 40 minutes eat something short or in eating our lunch in our cubicles and we got back or before we left. <laughs> it's just what we did. And uh, that was doing kind of like our Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours, you know, just cutting our teeth and getting it done and practicing and figuring out what works and our timing. And we, I mean, we basically, it was like a, it was like a late night talk show. Just, we okay, today we're talking about this movie. Uh, we saw this and we're reviewing it or, Hey, we just listened to this album and we're talking about this. And, that's all we did, like, but it was early days and you could do whatever you wanted. You still can, but it was early days. And so there was that. And then end of that year, iTunes, Apple said top 10 new comedy podcasts. A lot of people don't know this <laughs> about me, uh, but we did that and it was fun. And then we kind of pod faded and then we came back and did it again for like another year in 2000. We took 2008 off, did 2009. Meanwhile, I started a show called... Um, co-hosting with a friend of mine and it was called social media serenity where we were do talking about social media how to use it without going crazy and use it for business use it for your personal brand use it you know kind of more business-esque kind of approach um and then that phased out he the co-host phased that out uh june or sorry january of 2012 and so then that that's kickstarted my process of what am I going to do? I'm going to start a show. Okay. What are you going to do it about? And by August of 2012, that year I had started beyond the to-do list. And for a while there, it, it took me, you know, a bit of time to figure out, well, what am I interested? How do I want to do this? I know I love podcasting. I have for a second thought, let's do a blog. And I'm like, no, you like talking. And, uh, and I thought, well, I want to talk to people about what they do, how the, how they do the good work that they do. Um, how do they manage their time? How do they have work like that? You know, and these topics, they weren't coming, they weren't coalescing into a, oh, duh, it's a productivity show for a while. But I was listing off names of people I wanted to talk to, topics I wanted to talk to them about. And I started to connect the dots and I thought, well, this is like a productivity show, I guess. I'll do that. And uh, then realized, you know, it's not a product. It, it's like a productivity show, but it's more than that. It's like beyond the to-do list. <gasps> That's the title. There it is. And it hit me in kind of an almost uh, Buzz Lightyear to the to-do list and beyond kind of a tone in my head. And, and of course, that's not what I used, but that's still the title. So that's how the show got started. That's how I got started in podcasting. Did you ever change the name? Did you start with this name, Beyond the To-Do List? No, I didn't. Hmm. I didn't. But I do remember that at one point when um, Michael Hyatt was talking about my show at some point, he got the name wrong by accident and called it beyond productivity. And I thought mm, that was maybe a potential other name, but I like, I like what I've got better. Cause I think it sticks a little bit calling something beyond productivity. 
I think would work more now, like, because people are like, oh, wait, I want to be productive, but what's beyond productivity? And that's kind of where we're heading these days. I mean, because productivity gets a bad rap. It gets, you know, a lot of people are like, ah, I want to be productive, but a lot of people, I don't want to, like, be productive in the sense that, like, I lose my mind. And I'm like, yeah, but that's, my title still encompasses that, too, so... It's it, it. I like it. You know, beyond the to-do list, it's like okay. Um, to be productive, you probably need to use a to-do list. But, but there's so much more out there, right? Yes. And and I wonder, I wonder, what really excited you about productivity? Why 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 productivity? I mean, obviously, a lot of the work that you do, the work that I do, is around productivity. But I just want to hear from you, why productivity and. Okay, you started a few different podcasts before, but you stuck with this one for over 10 years. There should be something to it, right? Yeah, well, and I will say this. What I didn't realize was how into, for lack of a better term, you know, everything that encompasses in the word productivity and beyond it, I was into that and I didn't know it. And and I wasn't fully aware of it yet. Um, and the reason I wasn't fully aware of it because I hadn't, so that same summer of 2005, um, I was starting to suspect that maybe I needed to get tested for ADHD. Um, I'd always thought, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe there's something there. And so I did, and I got diagnosed and started to um, take a prescription that helped. It helped. It it really did. It it made me feel more uh, focused, more calm, more able to uh, stay in the moment, et cetera. Um, But it also was wrecking my sleep. And so then the benefits that I saw at first started to wane. And at the same time, I was tired all the time. And so I said, yeah, rather than go through like changing up that prescription over and over and over again, at least I knew how I felt beforehand and could kind of and not be tired about it. And I thought, well, I can work on systems and, um, you know, scaffolding and support and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I was already interested in productivity, but didn't really realize it. I was already carrying a notebook around and writing in it. These are the days before BlackBerry. You know, I, I mean, I think Blackberries existed at that point, but I didn't have one. They were super expensive. Before the smartphone became commonplace, that is, um, I was carrying around a notebook and would, you know, organize and type things in. And, you know, and Evernote was starting to be a thing at that point. So, you know, early days, right? But, um, yeah, I, I just realized, you know what? I think that, and and again, I noticed that when I was like trying to come up with a, I wanted to, again, when I was talking about doing my own show, starting my own podcast, it's me talking to people. What do I want to talk to them about? And it just started to, I mean, again, coming up with how do they manage their time? How do they, how do they schedule things? How do they master email? How do they, um, fit in time to work out? How do they fit in time to eat healthy? How do they get enough sleep? How do they um, have good relationships with their coworkers? How do they, um, you know, uh, have work-life balance where they're not working all the time, but at times where they need to do lots of work to hustle in the moment, but not as a long-term solution, because it's not. Um, how do they get work done, but also live a great life? And I just kept thinking that's productivity and it's all the, like, these are all aspects of productivity. So it it started to, it it just, that process of working through knowing I wanted to do a show, but 
think, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what do I want to do it about raised my awareness of, oh, I am interested in productivity. I've been thinking, talking, doing this, experimenting with it this whole time. Why not bring that out into the public and have it be an interactive thing, not just with the people listening, but with the people that come on the show? I love it, man. This is my favorite uh, part of the week, in a way, having this uh, weekly podcast myself, talking to people like yourself and a whole bunch of other people on how do you get better? How do you improve? How can you have a better life? How can you have a more effective team? You know, and just uh, by the conversations, you are learning so much. You're growing so much. And, uh, I listened to a podcast you did with somebody else, probably from a couple of years ago while I was preparing for, for the show. And it was very interesting that you, you shared back then. I don't know if you still do it, but you shared that sometimes you wake up in the morning, actually you're watching TV series first thing in the morning, <laughs> which, is, which is not the advice you get in, in the productivity book. Can you talk to me about that? Because I, I feel like... There's all these kind of stigmas around what does it mean to be productive? And I do believe in a individualized and personalized approach, but please let me know, do you still do that? And what was the intention behind this? I think I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. And I think at the time, and that's not to say that I haven't, I think there's been, again, morning routine, something that you, you shuffle around and may, you know, it, it, you adjust it, you tweak it, you, you make it work. Um, for me, it was that I realized I'm more effective in the morning. So staying up late and watching TV at that time, staying up late and watching TV was making me get less sleep. And so I thought, well, if I get to bed earlier, then I get to reward myself by getting up earlier and I can watch a show with no one around me and, you know, just enjoy it. Plus I can sit there and sip my coffee and wake myself up for a while and even eat some breakfast or something while enjoying something and just kind of having some me time to start the day. As, and again, some people would say, well, why aren't you sitting there journaling or why aren't you sitting there watching a masterclass course or what? Here's the thing I have, I have done those things at in seasons like if there's like you know what i need to make my way through this course okay then i will watch through it like i'll watch one or two or three of the videos in a morning and move on but always being in a cramming everything into every second you've got and you know there's there's benefit to that at times sure you know carpe diem get the most out of your life but at the same time it's like if you're cramming it so full that then you feel like you've never got a chance to breathe, then you start to suffocate. Well, this is one of those, this is carving out a moment in the morning to breathe and just enjoy without trying to get something deep or meaningful out of it. It's like, it's like stretching. All right. It's like stretching your mind first thing in the morning. And I don't mean like, because some people would say, well, okay. Uh, if you're, if you're learning, you're not doing work. And I'm like, well, yes and no. Like, it's all a psychological thing. Here's the thing. Some people, first thing in the morning, their, their mental stretching could be sitting and watching or reading or listening. And that's totally fine. Totally get it. That's good. For me, that's, that's also true. But at the same time, there was, there was a season. There have been other seasons since then. I can't remember when I said this. But uh, there, there have been seasons where that's exactly what you do. You warm up in the morning. You, you 
get yourself awoken enough with a warm beverage or caffeinated beverage or even some food and you just start to wake up and then you're you're more ready welcome to the day willing to do things like then i mean i can sit there and do you know half hour show or something you know it, it's it's nice to, to lift your spirits first thing in the morning too like it's just don't in other words nobody should tell anybody that that's not productive but at the same time it's like you can you can decide yourself you don't need to listen to my advice or somebody else's advice you need to do what works for you there's no silver bullet here what are some of the weirdest morning routine like rituals that you you've heard some of the guests on your show sharing i will i will say this there and i don't know that they do this anymore but there was somebody in early days who said first thing they do in the morning is grab their phone and just make sure there's no fires to put out in their email and i just remember thinking okay i get that and i've done that and a lot of us do it and even, you know and this was even before like checking social media you know checking all the social accounts too um that one's weird to me because i just keep thinking you're looking you're looking for something to do first thing in the morning instead of taking care of yourself you know and it's it's like when you're on a plane they say put your mask on first then put someone else's mask on well that's kind of what i was doing with the tv or with the looking through a course or spending you know spending me time like if 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 nobody has texted me that there is like, I mean, if it hasn't gotten to the point of someone texting me, there's an emergency, there is no emergency. That's an emergency enough yet that I have to pay attention to it or, or warrants me having to forfeit me being me getting me to my best first thing in the morning to then do stuff. So I think that that's probably the weirdest one, although that's not really weird because a lot of us do that. I'm trying to think of a strange one that um, people would do. I think, I think some people would, uh, and actually, I really like this one, too, and it, maybe it's kind of weird, but it might help you out. Um, I know a guy who he would go to bed in the clothes that he was going to work out in the next morning so that he could hop out of bed and literally go out the door and work out. And I've done that, too. Um, I've done that. It, it, it just it's like comfortable to sleep in that stuff, too, because it's meant for, you know, for you to be comfortable and breathe easy. And who doesn't need that while you're sleeping? No friction, no excuses. Yeah. Reduce the friction. Get out there. Love it, man. I actually had a guest on the show recently who shared the similar approach in terms of checking the phone first thing in the morning intentionally. And it was actually a founder of a of a very successful company called Vivino. It's uh, the, the largest wine app in the world with uh, 62 plus million users. Um, and he was like, you know, if that, like, do, do you, you know, try things out and, and just, uh, as long as you're intentional, as long as you try things out and see what works for you, right? Like you I, I intentionally ask you about the TV show because it's very strange for many people, right? We have all these mental frameworks of how life should be. And if we do it differently, then, then you're weird. Well, not if you feel good about it. Now, if, if you're productive, right? Um, so I think it's, it's very interesting to, to look into different ways to, you know, how do you start your day? I mean, it doesn't have to be exactly starting with meditation. You're doing this. It works. I actually think it works. You know, nurture your mind. Do something for your, for your mind, for your body. But 
there might be some different ways if you're a different type of person, right? Um, and one thing that you mentioned, which kind of I want to emphasize on, maybe we can expand on, is you, you mentioned twice actually prior to the podcast and during the podcast seasons, right? Depending on the season, can you expand on that? What do you mean by depending on the season? Yeah, right? yeah. So there's a couple different ways to to talk about this so the, we all know the word we hear the word season and we think oh four seasons there are four seasons in the year and there's um winter spring summer fall and thing is is that you know kind of like with plants they they do different things in those different seasons they you know we don't we don't walk outside and there's snow on the ground and like yell at the plant for not growing fruit it's the wrong season, right? It's it's not the right season. Well, and the reason for that is because nothing living can have a sustained consistency for a long period of time when it comes to um, output without having periods of time that are cyclical where they recharge. So we can go micro on this and say, hey, in a given day, we sleep. And that, you know, like we, that's kind of a microcosm of the season is like you have a, you, you wake up in the morning and then you get past the morning and it's the afternoon. And then the afternoon gives way to the evening and then the evening gives way to the nighttime. And the nighttime is kind of like winter where you hibernate and you sleep and you recharge. Right. And so it, that's kind of the same cycle. And so if you start thinking about it in cycles, it's like, well, what cycle am I in? Where am I at? Whether it's my day, whether it's my week whether it's my month, my quarter, my year, or my, you know, think long-term forecasting, five-year plan. What season am I in? Season of life. What hats am I wearing? What roles do I have? So it, exp it comes all the way down to as small as a single day, but expands all the way out to like, you know, five, 10 years. And like, what, like, for example, right now I have a daughter who's 18 and we're in a different season of life with her now than we were years ago, or even with my son, who's like 11. And so different seasons, different places, different hats we wear, different roles and different, you know, different ages, <laughs> depending upon, you know, what you're able to do or not do physically, whatever. Um, and it's just all about knowing I, I, you know, I ideally in advance what season you're heading into or what season you're in if you if you haven't been paying attention and knowing what you're capable of, knowing what the needs are, knowing what you want to do. Some ways that this works out is, uh, for example, um, I've been a remote worker for almost 10 years now. And so a lot of people, they're like, oh, yeah, remote work. That's the thing where we all had to work on Zoom as of three plus years ago or so. And people were doing it before that and it started to ramp up, but that was really kind of like the inflection point, right? And thing is, is for me, everybody would be home during the summer and I'd need to work, I'd need to record podcasts and everybody was home. And so I had to figure out a way to make sure that I got enough done. You know, I, I would get up and I would leave the house and go work at coffee shops first thing in the morning. So there's a season I wasn't getting up early and watching TV. I was getting up early and like doing stuff in the house and then getting out of the house for an hour or so, like doing a sprint of hard work and then getting home and having focused or finished something. So that then it wasn't a big deal if I was sitting here doing admin stuff, but I could hear other people in the house and, you know, okay, now they're loud. Put that, you know, 
noise canceling headphones on and things like that. Um, and recording podcasts, like batch recording as much as I could. So I didn't have to record almost any in the summer if I could help it. Unless somebody came along and was like, hey, can I be on the show? And I'm like, yes, you're a guest I've tried to get for a long time. That kind of a thing. Um, and then in the winter time, like one of the things that I really don't like, I, honestly, with, when it comes to business, one of the things I really hate is there's so much emphasis on finishing the quarter. I've had this happen a few times now where the quarter at the end of the calendar year is, um, let's see, December, November. So October, November, December. And it's just like, let's crush this year. Let's, let's get the end year goals. Let's get this end quarter goals. And I'm just like, yeah, this is the season where I'm worn out from the year and you're, 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 you're expected to expend more energy when you have less than usual. And it's diametrically opposed. It's like, come on now. Like, don't expect more from me at the end of the year. Now, here's the thing. That means if you're going to get those goals done and not look like a lazy person and you want to hit those goals as much as you can, it means actually working towards some of those end of year goals in Q3 and even the early part of Q4 so that the last you know month, November, December, you're not having to do as much. In fact, at that point, you really should kind of be coasting and or like resting or planning for the new year and so on. So that's, that's some of the ways that this seasonality and cyclicality uh, works its way out in small and big ways. It's a really interesting perspective. And I wonder what do you do in terms of awareness? Like, do you have any specific self-reflection practices? Like how often do you do it? Um, what do you, do to make sure that you are fully aligned and, and the focus is on the right kind of things? Well, one of the things that I do is um, I have a mastermind with me and a few other people and we, it, we call it the 12 week mastermind and it's based on the 12 week year, which is a book. Uh, if you've heard of it, if not, look it up. Um, and it's all about thinking about things in that kind of, you know, quarterly cyclical, approach. It's like, okay, what are you going to do this quarter? What do you, what's the goal that you have for this quarter that you're going to finish and do and having accountability for it really. And, and having kind of a sounding board and not just that you can speak to them and have them hear you and, and speak in and give advice, but, um, having that kind of, so, so that, that alone right there helps you raise your awareness because one, you're talking about it more, uh, with people that you can trust, trusted advisors. Um, but two, you trust those advisors and then you take their advice, like they give their advice. So it's not just you sounding off to them. It's them hearing you assessing it and speaking into it and saying, well, you know, remember earlier this year, you wanted to do the thing in Q1 and then that didn't happen because uh, you said it wasn't really the time. And we all agreed, like we, we were the ones actually that told you it wasn't the right time to do that. And you saw the, our wisdom and you agreed. And so, but we, we kind of think, you know, with what you just said about what you want to do in Q3 and even to finish out the year, um, now might be the time. So it's that kind of helpful that, I mean, that right there is one of the, the biggest things you can do is get a group, get into I, a group, get a mastermind I want to group. dive into that. Uh, I'm very big on masterminding. Uh, started set up my first mastermind group back 2013, I think, when I read 
the Napoleon Hill's book and I yeah. for the first time saw the term mastermind and I was like, what is it? But then I started setting up those groups and it's been really one of the most amazing formats. But I want to go very practical because there's many people listening who are entrepreneurs, you know, founders, uh, even ambitious business professionals that are working for somebody, but they want to go to the next level. They want to have this accountability. How did you set up your mastermind group? Like, how do you, let's, let's talk about the basics, right? Like, how do you find the right people and have them to commit? Because everybody will come to the first meeting, right? Uh, how do you get the right people to commit? And what is the kind of set setup in terms of, you know, how, how often do you guys meet? What are some of the agenda items and, and just the specifics around it? So I will say that I think the smaller the group, the better. Uh, I am in one that had one that is, uh, well, I'll say both meet weekly. One is for half an hour and it's a check-in and then we have a back channel on WhatsApp where we just all drop things in. And so that's kind of an asynchronous cause th that's a more busy group of people. That's a group of seven, seven or eight guys. Um, and then the, the, the one that meets weekly for an hour, uh, is literally just three people. It's, it's me and two other guys. It used to be larger. It's smaller now. Um, and that one, uh, both of these I've been lucky because I've, I, I had fallen into them. Um, there, there is, there's crossover of one or two people uh, in both those groups. So that helps as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but it, it really just kind of came out of relationships. It came out of working with people and knowing people and becoming friends with people. And like, I would consider every single person, I'm not just a, I'm not just a member of these, these two mastermind groups. Every single person in those groups is a friend of mine. I would consider that to be true. And whether they were when it was at first started or not is beside the point. Um, we are now. And so that, you know, over time, and I'm trying to think of how long we've been meeting um, with the one it's been since early pandemic, like 2020, that's the larger group. Although everybody in there, I've, or at least more than half of them I've known for three, four years since before that point. Um, other one, 2015, 16, something like that. So yeah, that's pretty good, man. And pretty consistent. And I would say the things you, I mean, again, the things you're wanting to look for it, cause not everybody's going to be lucky and just fall into, Hey, I know these people, Hey, we should start a mastermind. Okay, let's do it. Like, you know, best case scenario, that's what happens. Worst case scenario, it's going to take you a while to find the right people. You're going to need to look around. I would say right now, if you're not in one, I would say who's one person, one person that you know you can talk to, that you can trust, or you and, and vice versa, that you feel like you trust them and you feel like they trust you. And you can even just start on a mutual mentorship kind of a basis where they may, they may be <clears throat> air quotes further along than you in one area of life, but you may be able to talk to them or help them or mentor them in some other area of life. And so if you just do that one-on-one -on -one thing, but again, you, you might think of two to three people or five to seven people total. And you just start to come up with, again, trust is the biggest thing. You, who can I trust? And who do I look up to slash can I learn from slash who can I teach? You kind of, you know, you add that mentorship aspect to it and that starts to make you think, 
oh yeah, no, this does, this does work. This could have possibility. So, yeah. And from the people who are in your current mastermind group, are they a lot more experienced than you or they are more or less on the same life experience level, so to say? Because I've had some previous experiences and sometimes you're really excited to get on the super credible person to join your group, but it's not always the good thing because they they might not be committed. They might not have the time to to join you so frequently and be fully committed to that. So, so talk to me about commitment and how do we understand who are the people that will be consistent and committed. Yeah. I would say that we're like, so for example, um, last week I didn't go to either of them. And one was because one of the guys was going to be traveling with his wife and for two weeks on a trip. And the other two of us, we've been kind of just kind of worn out a little bit recently. And, and I was feeling, I was actually going to be, I didn't know what I was feeling down and was sick last week. Um, and it was the early stages of that, but I wasn't aware of it yet. Um, and we both kind of said, you know what, we're good. We met with the three of us met and then we were going to take two, we just said, we're going to take two weeks off. And so we did. Um, and then with the other one, it's kind of a, you know, you show up when you can and if you can, but we all understand we're so busy, but that's why we have the back channel to be able to check in and say, Hey, this just happened. What do you guys think? You know, in, in WhatsApp, in our channel. And that's not necessarily something that you want to have set up for. Like, again, these are all friends. And, and if they weren't at first, they truly are now. That's different from other masterminds. And I admit that completely. Um, most masterminds, it's like, okay, look, and, and here's why I, it's gotten to this point. Like we were in a mastermind. I was in a mastermind once and everybody would show up every single week, but they weren't really showing up. If you understand what I'm saying, like they weren't fully contributing. It was, they, their, their eyes would light up or they would participate as it benefited them. But as it came to everybody else and us sharing, like that person was more silent and just sitting there. And so that was kind of a conversation we had some of the rest of us <laughs> and we were just like, yeah, maybe we're going to morph this group into something different. Maybe, I don't know. So yeah, it was, it, it's very interesting, but you want to, I mean, again, as, as I, there's different styles, there's different times, there's different, again, there's different seasons, even with masterminds where it's like, Hey, this group met for this season, whether it was a year or two, or it was for, you know, whatever, whatever makes sense, whatever works. Um, because you had certain needs or certain ability to, to lead and share at that time. But then that season has now passed and it's okay. So. <laughs> yeah. And for those of you listening, if you never consider starting a mastermind group, you can find so much resources online. Just there's probably billions of articles around how to set up your mastermind group. And there's no really right and wrong. I've been trying a lot of different models and I got to say most of them work really well in some perspectives because what you want is a commitment to spend effective, productive time with people who are on the same journey, who are experiencing the same season as you. And the more you can get them to be authentic, honest, and to go deeper, the better. Like you want to get the feedback you you wanna you want them to be really honest with you and and point out the blind spots and and you want to be able to to share and trust them also to share 
what you see as their blind spots. Everybody's learning and growing in that perspective. But I, but I also think the, one of the reasons, at least for me, to lead this podcast, and I wonder what it is for you, Eric, to lead yours, but is the opportunity to talk to exceptional people like yourself and all the other guests and actually to have an excuse to, to spend like an hour with these people so I can expand my horizons. I can ask all the questions I want. Um, and you had some incredible people. I mean, I, I was checking out the show and I saw David Allen, Daniel Pink, Kate Blanchard, Greg McCune, Michael Hyatt, Chris Bailey. These are, these are the, the very best people, you know, the most recognized experts in the world, in the realm of productivity. So how, how did you, was that like initially, did you get a chance to, to get them initially? Or did you have to grow to a certain size when you started getting them on? How, how did it happen that now everybody wants to be on your show, man? Yeah, well, so I will, I will say this. I had a secret kind of plan. I'm going to give away the secret plan. Okay, here's, here's how it works. Um, number one, I started the show knowing that I, I knew Michael Hyatt was aware of me. And he, he knew me from the show that I co-hosted previously. He knew of me. And I was able to meet a person and I was able to shake his hand and all of that. And then he was speaking at a conference that I was also on a panel at that summer of 2012. And so I went up to him and I said, if I, I, I knew that if I could get him to say yes to be on my show, that would open doors because I'd be able to get him to be on. Well, and then point to that and say, hey, I've had Michael Hyatt on. I've had, you know, and so he was the first episode I recorded. I, I went big and I went bold and I just did it. Like I just said, I, I created the questions. I went in like it was a job interview. I treated it so important and it, it, it went off without a hitch. Like he loved. He may be one of the few people on the most. Well, he's been on one of the most. He's, he's like top top three, top five for sure. Um, okay. Sorry. It was giving me a... Can you hear me? Yeah. I can okay. hear you now. Sorry. I don't yeah, know what ahead, was going go on. There was a glitch. Anyway, so if you can go, so so part one of secret sauce is go in knowing that if, if you can, so, so you, you try and, I mean, here's the thing. If you're starting a show or if you already have a show, but you want to get better, bigger, better guests, be bold and ask. And part two to that is that's how I got David Allen. I thought long-term, I eventually want to get David Allen. What I did not expect was I thought, oh, I'm going to send an email through his website and I will eventually hear something back, hopefully, cross my fingers, and then ask and maybe ask multiple times. I, within 24 hours, had an email back from his wife saying, David would love to do it. How about this day and this time? And it was about a month out. And I said, yes, thank you. And I was just dumbfounded as to the fact that, like, oh, so the worst that could happen is I get a no. So I just need to start asking all the time. And start making a list of like these people I really, really want to talk to. And so that's what, like, so that's kind of the secret sauce is like number one and number two, come up with a list of people that you really want to talk to and then figure out a way to convey that to them 
two, if you can get even the smallest, like it's kind of like email. <laughs> let me go into, let me put my marketing hat on. It's kind of like email marketing. You have a list of a certain size and then you have a certain amount of opens and then a certain amount of replies or clicks. Each level of that diminish, you know, is smaller than the last one. But even if you can just get a tiny, tiny, tiny sliver of people to open that email and or click or buy, but you get them and then you can leverage them as a guest, you know, as a guest going back, you know, stepping out of the metaphor, if you can get them as a guest and then use that as a calling card to say, hey, I've had Michael Hyatt. Hey, I've had David Allen. Hey, I've had whatever, whoever. Then you can get more of those people and point people to them and say, hey, I've had this person. Hey, I've had that person. You're in good hands. And so one, leverage that. But two, be bold. Like the worst that's going to happen is you're going to get a no. I got a no. I mean, I'm just going to, and we were talking earlier ahead of the show. I got a no from Seth Godin two or three times and not a, not a like, no, it was a no. Um, at this time promotion for that book and my time is, you know, now run out and he was very polite. He was great. The fact that I even had his email address <laughs> was something that I'm not willing to, to give out, but, uh, I got it from somebody else who he'd, he'd been on their show and they were friends of mine. And I thought that's my end. And I thought it was, and the thing is, is I thought it was maybe a sure thing, right? Because that he'd been on that person's show who was a smaller show than me at the time. And I, and he gave me the email. It didn't happen. Well, I'm recording with Seth in a couple of weeks. They reached out, not just his team, but like the people that are producing his next book. And so I, I kind of, you know, it, there was, a, again, there was a season where what he was putting out book wise didn't really make sense to talk about on my show, but now He's coming on the show and his new book does make sense. It, ha it is workplace related and productivity related. And so long term, it's paid off, even though even though someone would say, well, you quit trying. No, I just realized what season I was in and I realized that it didn't make a lot of sense anymore. But now but to have that kind of vindication, if you will, <laughs> these days where I didn't have to try and it just happened. Like, that's not bragging. That's just longevity and consistency. I love that, man. And it's not just a good lesson for podcasters trying to get uh, quality guests. It's it's uh, the same kind of mindset you need to approach for seeking for a mentor, trying to land a customer. Um, you know, like sometimes you write five or 10 emails in a sequence of uh, 12 months and, you know, probably get a reply. But, but then at this one moment when, you know, they, they have the season that they might be willing to go out there, it's like, okay, let's do it. Um, I, I had the same experience with uh, with somebody, probably not as famous as Seth Godin, but it was somebody that I admire quite a bit. Um, his name is Dr. Ivan Joseph. And he he's an expert. He's a former football, Americans, you call it uh, um, soccer, but yeah, football coach, right? And uh, he has a TED Talk with, I think, now more than 26 million views. Uh, his expertise is in self-confidence. And I just love the guy. And I think I've spent 24 months trying to get him on the show. You know, every three months, send another email. Every three months, send another email. He replied to some of them. He was really kind. Uh, it's not the right time. Uh, and then finally, I think in November, we reach out to him once again, get back to Dr. Ivan. <laughs> you know? And it's like, okay, good timing, Stone. I appreciate your persistence. We actually want to go out there and 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 try out a little bit more podcasting so you'll be my first let's go 
I'm like, oh, that's amazing, man. We had an amazing episode. Those of you listening, you got to go check out the episode with Dr. Ivan Joseph. But but it's persistence um, with some of these big names. I, I'm just curious now. Like you, you got Michael Hyatt, who's a legend. And then you got uh, David Talon, another legend, GTD, getting things done. Um, did you get excited and you created this kind of a list of, you know, 300 people that you want to reach, like the biggest guys? Like what, what happened from there? And, and maybe just to give the audience a bit of a perspective, what, what's the conversion rate when you're reaching out to people of such, you know, quality or credibility? Yeah. Well, I, I'll even say there's been a couple of people uh, recently where I reached out and I never heard anything. And, I, and hey, I get it. Sometimes people don't hear back from me. Um, and, and, and it's mostly because they want their venture capital, something, something or other who did this and that, like, you don't know my show that you're, you're, you're just, you're just spraying emails. And so I don't, I honestly don't necessarily waste my time on those emails with even a reply, to be honest, it's, it's not worth it. It's just a delete. Um, I would say I, I well, I still get excited. I still, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm excited to talk to Seth. Um, it hasn't happened yet. So, uh, and then I'll be more excited once it has happened and I have to hold the episode for almost two months till I can release it <laughs> according to the agreement. That's totally fine. That means I get to listen to it and really pick it apart and parse it out and come up with the really good pull quotes to use to promote it and to, you know, really make sure people understand, um, the impact of what he's saying. Cause I'm going through his book right now and it's great. Um, I would say um, there's still people I want to reach out to. I have a list of people like I'll, I'll name one, Adam Grant. I think he's a great, you know, if you're familiar with him, he's a big name. Um, I kind of get blinded. Adam, Adam, if you're listening right now. There you go. Yeah. I, I've, I've, I've thing is, is like, I know I want to talk to him, but he, and, and, and this is the interesting thing. Like I really want to talk to him. But I don't really know what about because he's so broad and deep, right? And so it's like, what do I, what would I want to, how do I make the most of that time I would have with him? And how do I, how do I get the most out of it for myself? How do I get the most out of it as a surrogate learner, listener for my listeners, you know? And I, and I have to kind of, Honestly, I, I've and I've got another one that I'm crafting right now of another person who does a podcast that has nothing to do with productivity, but I know that they're all about creating things and balancing their life when it comes to that and how they got started and versus how they grew their thing. And there's a really interesting angle there. And so I'm kind of crafting my pitch to them. Um, and it gets me excited, you know, to, to, to think about um, breaking out of the comfort zone and continually doing that. And of course, then having people back, like I was able to have Michael Hyatt back recently, uh, just a month or so ago with his daughter. And I love that. I love being, I mean, I, I'd had her on once too. And then having both of them there, I was like, I, th when the people reached out and was like, Hey, here's their new book. And I said, they were like, do you want Michael or her or both? And I said, both please, because that's just more of an interesting conversation. Right. And I don't know. That's the, that's the thing for me is after you do it for 10 years, it's like, how do you keep doing it? And you don't just make it interesting for you, but how do you make it interesting for the audience and for the guests as they come on? It, it takes variety. It takes coming up with new angles. It, it takes, you know, for example, revisiting, um, 
distraction and meditation and things like that with Chris Bailey, even though we talked about those topics before on the show, it's like Chris has a unique angle. So that's what kind of brings, you know, it's, it's, it's a new angle. It's a new topic. It's a new story. It's a new guest. Each time you kind of come up with something that's refreshing, new and, and turning, turning the object at hand at a different angle. So you can see it from a different perspective. Well, that's th thank you for sharing, Eric. Um, I wonder who else who else you want to get? Like like you said, uh, Adam Grant, somebody that you've been trying to to get on the podcast for for a long time. And, and just to maybe give me a bit of a context, because from what I see, you have a lot of you know authors, consultants. Um, do you also reach out and, and try to get uh, more like executives and founders and, and entrepreneurs or, or are you more focused on on consultants and, and, and authors? Yeah, that's interesting. So <clears throat> I will say this. One of the things that happens as you grow, even small, <laughs> even, even, you know, as you first get going, um, the podcast pitch engine is is out there and it goes quick like the, people are trying to get on every show all these shows so one of the funny things i mean once and once you do a few and people see that they're like oh okay well this this person accepts guests let me pitch them and like i said before i get i i, I need to do a case study on this <laughs> or or a, an experiment because there has been weeks where and again i don't know how this it's different mileage for different shows different people different groups whatever um I think I've gotten in a single week upwards of about 30 to 50 emails pitching people. And it's like, that's a lot. Like that's a year's worth of guests almost in a single week. If I were to say yes to everybody, which would never happen. I try to be picky, right? I try to be picky about who I have on. And I also try to be picky about what shows I go on. <laughs> And uh, have you created any, any system though? Like, like you send them like a type form or a Google form where they have to fill in why they should be on the podcast and maybe rate and review your podcast before you consider their application, something like that. You know, like to, just to keep those kind of interested. Of course, you can't get everybody, but at least. Well, so that's the thing. Like, I could do, I don't, and, and I don't, and here's why because I want to keep it relational. Like, I would rather not have somebody who's a, an, a great, fit like i don't and, and granted like there are people who already would skip the line right like seth was an automatic yes when the here's the thing seth wasn't actually seth wasn't an automatic yes no to be honest <laughs> why not because i when i saw it and it said would you be interested in having seth godin on my mind said yes but i had to read through the email to make sure that what he was prepared to come talk about was applicable to my audience. That might be something that somebody else would say, you're an idiot. Why would you even consider not having him on, right? But if it's not a fit, it's not a fit. And no, I didn't, I, no, I didn't want to just be like, no, you told me no too many times. So no, I get to say no to you. Suck it. No, it was it was more so that I just needed to make sure. Like, and as I started to read through it, I said, oh, there's something here. There's definitely something here. And then I started to look at it, look at more of the content. And I thought, this, this is a yes. 
but it was there was no i don't think there is an automatic yes my i think for example david allen could come on and talk about something like he'd be like yeah i've got a new book out on fly fishing well that's great david but like and and see that one i'd be like okay david how are you fitting fly fishing into your work-life balance like we'd spin it that way you know but like seth coming out with another marketing book it's like it's not going to really help my audience because my audience is not about it's not about marketing it's about productivity and there are things to do in marketing that you could how you'd be more productive at your marketing sure but if that's not what his book's about and i can't really go there with him you see what i'm saying it's it's not an automatic yes oh that's that's when you realize you you reach the level right like after 10 years you have a community and you you have to be really conscious about who do i bring on that it's going to be a win 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 for the guest win for the listeners and eventually win for you uh, so that's amazing man do you do something with the community i mean now you have close to 500 guests on that show probably you've been in touch with many more people like do you i don't know do some virtual calls or like like introduce them to each other like so so you can keep that, them engaged and so that's one of the, so so here's one of the lessons that i've learned is that that's something you should do from the get-go that's something you should be doing from the beginning. It took me a long time to get to the point of even starting to do that. And I'm still in, even now, um, pandemic kind of threw some of that into the the wrench because I wasn't sure what was viable, what was, you know, what, what do I do? Do I do something paid? Do I have free Patreon type stuff? You know, all of that kind of in the mix. That said, there's stuff in the works now that wasn't before. So... And I, I always, here's the thing, like people on my website at beyond, I guess we haven't mentioned that at all at my website at beyond the to-do list.com. There is a button right at the top in the side in the top bar. And it just says contact. Anybody can click that and send me a message. And I've been getting messages from listeners and it's been amazing since I've put that up on the new site as of uh, late summer of last year, 2020 and that's been great that's also where people now have been going and like pitching themselves or pitching whatever like people will you know submit guests or whatever there if they don't already have my email address um and i can tell that it's coming through that form versus my own email address so i can kind of say you know hey a form you know somebody has sent you a message through beyond the to-do list.com i have those all go those all skip my inbox by the way they don't go to my inbox they go through google rules in my email they go to a tab on the side that is contact or you know site contact form or whatever it's labeled and it's it's not archived it's just moved there and it's not marked as red so i can always see how many new ones i have i can see that there's new stuff in the folder but I don't have to click on that folder till I'm ready to look at the folder. So, but yeah, community is huge. And that's, that's one of the biggest things that I'm realizing is um, a missed opportunity for podcasters. If you're not taking advantage of it already, it was one of the things that made me interested in podcasting in the first place was being able to send in these caller, you know, so you listen to it's kind of like, again, it was listen is radio TiVo for radio. And one of the cool things was to be able to send in a voicemail, and not have to, you know, when we when we were all little and we were listening to the radio, it was like, call in and t tell us what you think. And it was like, am I caller number 14? And it's kind of like that, right? And that, that enthusiasm that we had, it's kind of like that, but on a delayed response. So you could send in your response and you're like, listen to the next day's episode to see if they played your clip in their show. And 
if you did, it's like, all right, I'm in that one. I'm going to save that MP3 file forever. <laughs> and that, I mean, that's how it felt back then. And so that's the kind of stuff that I want to, um, I mean, we're going to start doing some mailbag episodes where people's, you know, they can call in their voicemails and answer them, you know, on the, nice on the show, do one of those like once a month, things like that. Still trying to figure it out how to, how to do it right. We want, cause I want to do it where I'm creating new con I'm creating new and extra content for the people that are long-term listeners and probably going to make that maybe a Patreon thing and release one, uh, like one mailbag every quarter to the free feed and maybe Patreon, you know, anyway, working all that out <laughs> just to figure it out what works, what doesn't, because it's more time, it's more effort, it's more work, but it's worth it. I feel like the future is community and, and engagement, as you said, like the one-sided podcasting, it, you know, you, you, you can't just stay there. Um, it, you know, you want to, you want to engage the, the audience, the listeners, but at the same time, um, I mean, we've been trying to do that. And of course there's a lot of space for improvement. Always we can try to fig figure things out, but we do a lot of private mastermind calls where we invite the, the guests and introduce the guests, the, uh, you know, in between one another so they can exchange ideas, they can meet new people, they can, you know, maybe start making business together, you know, like, so um, that's one side of it. Uh, as you said, engagement. I mean, I've seen now Spotify is testing with some engaging kind of functions. I don't know if you've seen, but they, they do this, you can do some polls and you can do some, you know, Q&A embedded into the episode. So I can see that it's going more and more into engagement and community. And talking about community, though, we have a couple of comments here from, from the listeners who are listening live, so why not <laughs> give, them, give them a bit of a space? Navit is, is sharing. Uh, hello, Navit. Great, uh, great to see you. Uh, thanks for, for being with us today. So Navit is saying, this is the most invigorating podcast I have listened to in a while. Way to go, guys. Stoyan, thank you for bringing Eric Fisher on your podcast. It is definitely my pleasure, Navid, having Eric here. So thanks for being with us. Uh, Nicoletta is asking a question. This is actually a really good question to kind of wrap up this episode with. Um, not an easy one, but Nicoletta is asking, I was wondering what is the most important lesson you learned directly or indirectly from a guest of your podcast? The most important lesson. No pressure, Eric. I would say it's kind of a twofold, two slash threefold lesson. So um, three different guests kind of hammered this home for me. Um, one was Jeffrey and Jamie Downs, husband and wife, and they had a book called The Power of Streaking. And no, it's not about running naked. Uh, it's about streaking. It's, it's built on, if you're familiar with Jerry Seinfeld and he was, you know, his whole thing, don't break the chain where he's like, you write a joke, you know, you write your jokes and then you cross that day off on the calendar. And then next day you write your jokes and then you write, cross it off and you don't break the chain consistency. Right. And their take was, was that you go for those streaks and have consistency with habits, et cetera. And I thought that's great. That's a different approach than like, say, James Clear from Atomic Habits, but it wasn't fully there yet. It wasn't fully formed yet. Um, and then I talked with um, Kendra Adachi, who is the lazy genius and her whole philosophy. I love her philosophy, by the way. I wish I, I wish I'd kind of that's a name I wish I'd come up with for my show. That's the one I wish I had had 10 years earlier. Um, and what it means to be a lazy genius is excuse me. 
<clears throat> excuse me, what it means to be a lazy genius is to be a genius, be on top of the things that matter the most, and you can let yourself be lazy about the rest of it. So you, it's about prioritization. It's about having that that mental, psychological, emotional perspective of I know what's most important, and that's the stuff I'm going to be good about, and then I'm going to be lazy about the other stuff. But it's about knowing how that works out. And then she had a piece to her thing that I didn't fully unlock until I talked to Laura Vanderkam and her most recent book, uh, Tranquil, Tranquility by Tuesday. And she said one of the things is um, three times a week is consistent. And I'm like, uh, wait, hold on. Is three times a week consistent? And she said, yes, because you get, to you get to decide what your interval is. You get to decide. She was like, look, is it being consistent if you do, you know, if you're working out and you do arm day one day, but then skip the net. You're not doing arm day the next day. You're, that's leg day, you know, and you're, you're doing intervals and for a reason. And she's like, but as long as you're consistent and you've set that up and I'm like, oh, okay. So, and I kind of thinking about it in terms of minimal effective dose, like with medicine, right? It's like one Advil or two Advil or whatever it is, is enough. You don't take five. In fact, you take five, you're taking more than you need. And you might have a, you might cause your stomach to bleed or something. I don't know. Anyway. Um, but then coming back to Kendra's thing of being lazy about the things that matter and genius about things or genius about things that matter, lazy about things that don't. And so she said, what if one of the things you want to be a genius about is um, having having family dinner, right? And she says, if family dinner is important to you, don't just say that it is. Make sure that it is. Be intentional. But she also said, drill down into it one more level. Why is it important? She said, it's not just about the food. It's about the connection. And then she said, well, if our lives are busy and it's not reasonable or practical to have family dinner together every day, right? Then what's your minimal family dinner? Like we three a week. And as she said that, I said, that's like Laura's thing where three times a week is consistent. And then it's like, wait a second. Okay, this all makes sense. So I guess my, my lesson here from three different teams is consistency looks different for different people but you get to choose it on your terms as long as you're consistently making progress towards the goals you're being intentional about. There you go. That was powerful, man. Nicoletta, I hope you uh, enjoyed this answer to your question. Thanks, guy, for thanks everybody for for tuning in and, and being with us today. Um, I just want to kind of take a moment and to say thank you so much Eric for for everything that you're doing with beyond the to-do list uh, it's an amazing podcast everybody listening to productivity master needs to go and check out beyond the to-do list subscribe to the podcast check out a few episodes Eric is a brilliant host not just a brilliant guest and if you're podcasters you might want to invite him he's getting a lot of invites though so so I'm not sure you'll get the chance but I but uh, yeah I mean I'm saying yes to most of them so uh, you know, you I, I'm, I'm always re ready and willing. Like, honestly, I love helping out podcasters and because, because I've been doing it for a long time and I love it. And I, and in fact, I want to get more involved in the podcast, not just productivity community, but podcast community. So 
feel free to ask me if you want to be if I uh, if you want me to be on your show. I will probably say yes. <laughs> Fantastic. So, so Eric, final words, and if you can maybe just uh, you know leave the the audience with a message, and and also give us a bit of a context. Where could people get in touch with you and find the podcast? Yeah. Well, again, first thing is you can find me at beyondthetodolist.com. You can subscribe, follow on all the different channels, you know, whatever your podcast player app of choice is, there's a button there for it. I'm sure. If not, tell me. There's a little button up in the top that says contact, send me a message. Uh, that's where you can ask me to be on your show. That's where you can say how much you liked uh, me being on this show, whatever. Um, that's first point, first place. I'm also on all the different social channels. You'll be able to find me there. Just type in E-R-I-K-F-I-S-H-E-R. And let's see, wisdom. I don't know. I feel like I've already said a lot. I would just say, again, it, productivity is about intentionality towards your goals. And it's about balance. It's about making it work for you, not just what other people say you should be doing. Boom. There we go. So... Everybody, I, I want to wish you a fantastic day uh, and uh, make sure to stay with us. If you haven't subscribed to Productivity Master yet, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, all major platforms. Make sure once again to check out Beyond the To-Do List with Eric Fisher. We're wishing you an amazing day and see you once again at the next episode of Productivity Mastery. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to subscribe to my monthly newsletter by visiting stoeniankov.com and also learn about the Perform Methodology and the Perform Book, as well as our various personal and team coaching offers. Stay tuned and keep performing.